0: Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking you, boy. But you're still the same
1: everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash owner cast where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you will never discuss in a film studies course. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming with Warren Beatty's 1998 feature film, Bullworth. Bullworth. It's worth your bull. It's, it's got bull and it might be worth your time. We will find out. Yeah, perhaps. This
2: this is me being good at uh, introducing things. Yeah, I. I you Do you know like what? this new character that I'm doing?
1: Yeah, the, this very talented character. Yeah, I'm extremely talented. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, uh, uh, well. stay stay
2: stay right here uh, with us. We'll we'll be
1: back with more w- worthful stuff. From from George Hamilton. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and identify ourselves so the dear listener knows who we're actually speaking to.
2: Who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and normally this is the part in the show where I introduce myself with a quote from the movie, and I have elected to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say um, many of Warren Beatty's quotes, because, uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh,
1: they're somewhat inappropriate. Some of them
2: I like, uh, but completely
1: divorced from how he's saying it. Yeah, yeah. well... It's yeah. Not, hey,
2: you know what? It's not what you say, it's how you say it's it. It's how you say it
1: sometimes. Well, my name is Dustin Sells and Dalton, I don't think you can get AIDS from burning down your house, but I get your point. That was a
2: very good line. <laughs> that was a very good line. It made me happy. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's very... Um, well, okay, let's, let's go ahead and tell you what's going to happen, uh, dear listeners. Warn you first and mm-hmm. then we'll talk about this movie because we are aching to speak about this movie. I'm but,
2: surprised how much I'm aching to talk about this.
1: It really is something else. But uh, at the good Crash Honda Cast, it's not a review show, it's an analysis show, and that does mean we will be doing some spoilers. We will tell you how this film ends, and that is, uh, I would say, a significant spoiler. Um, but we won't do it yet. We will give you a brief reprieve. What we'll do is we'll have a uh, synopsis from the voice of the Dalton Theater. That me? That would be him, and then we will move from that to our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which will be spoiler free. Then we'll play our game, which may involve a mild spoiler or two from this film and other films in its orbit. So uh, that's that is what it is. But then, once we get down to business, that's when all spoiler bets are off. So that is your warning uh, to all, dear listener. I now go to you, Mister Dalton Seward. Let's hear that synopsis. <coughs>
2: A suicidally disillusioned liberal politician puts a contract out on himself and takes the opportunity to be bluntly honest with his voters by affecting the rhythms and speech of hip-hop music and culture. See, it's that last part. Yeah. It's that last part. Go ahead and tell us what you think about this movie, Dalton. Yeah, let's get into this. Um, Bullworth is a very frustrating movie. Here here's the weird thing about Bullworth if you haven't watched it. So that that really does a good job of letting you know what the movie's about. Some of these synopses are pretty shitty. Th- this one's good. I mean that's that is the setup of the movie. It covers it. Here's the problem. Uh Bullworth goes on one, goes off on one, and it's great. It, it's it's great. Uh and then the best way for him to show how unconstrained by Washington conventions he is is to start uh, dressing like uh, an inner city youth and i say youth i mean like a child let's point that out by yeah, the way he, looks like, he a kid. looks like a child he he's doing a he's he's doing a goddamn blackface is what he's doing uh, because then he starts rapping and there's i'm get again i can tell here's the thing that's frustrating uh, so let's get into this Warren baby baby Warren baby oh Warren baby wrote and directed this movie uh, he had a, a co-screenwriter on the film right Yes, um, and I can't remember the name of that co-screenwriter. But when you work for Warren Beatty, it's it's still Warren Beatty's movie. The dude's got more money than God. He makes the movie he wants to make. And then he wrote a movie about him embracing black culture, um, with him being white. Um, okay, not in all right, not off to a great start. Not inherently a bad. Okay, all right, the, the, the old stuffy white guy embraces black culture. Okay, we that could be a good movie. Well, hold on. I know you think it could be a good movie, but it was written and directed by a white guy. Okay, less convinced it could be a good movie now. Tell me more. Well, the lead is sixty um, and uh, makes out with Halle Berry. Okay, Halle Halle Berry's in her fifties. I guess that's not. No, 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 no. This movie came out in uh, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, so she was like twenty five,
1: baby Halle Berry.
2: Yeah, yeah. She was she was she was thirty. She's playing twenty six. Okay, and, and how old's Warren Beatty again? Well, he's 60. No, how old's his character? Well, he's 60. Uh, and now you're starting to see why this movie's bad. Um, thank you uh, for listening to that very humorous sketch uh, comedy that I did. Um, <laughs> it was real funny, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, so that's why this movie's uh, bad. Embroiled. I can't,
2: I mean, I've told you everything I need to tell you. And you can tell at points in this movie that Warren Beatty, like, knows what he's doing. He, he does know that it's bad for Bulworth to be doing this. And he, he tries to point that out a couple of times. There, there's a really great line. Um, there, there's a, like five or six um, black children. They're like between eight and 12 probably. Yeah. I can't remember if we get specific ages on any of them. Um, but they, they're kind of hanging out with Bullworth. Um, and Bullworth raps at uh, one of his donor meetings. I, I think that was the one at the black church actually. Um, and he, he raps extensively. Yeah. Um, about um, why capitalism is bad. What? I know. I I just convinced you this movie's good again, didn't I? I, That's the thing. It just keeps fucking with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because Warren Beatty literally made a movie about why single-payer healthcare is the only ethical way to do medicine in your country. Straight up. He makes a point of saying it like three times. And this movie is not set in an unspecific time. It is specifically set at the 1994 election season. Ninety six. Ninety six. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ninety four is a midterm. It is specifically set at the nineteen ninety six uh, presidential election. Obviously, there's lots of other elections going on, one of them being Senator Jay Woolworth's seat. And they make a point of reminding you in like opening text. Hey, remember how nineteen ninety six was kind of boring because everybody knew Clinton would beat Bob Dole. That was weird, right? How much do you remember about that? Do you remember that Clinton was running on a bunch of weird like uh, Reagan esque economics things? That was weird, right? And that's what he made his movie about. It's like Warren Beatty got really pissed off during the election of 96 and hammered out a screenplay being like, hey, the Democrats are way too fiscally conservative. When did that happen? Remember when we took care of poor people? Why did you cut off their welfare, Bill Clinton? And that's what Warren Beatty made a fucking movie about in 1998. Two years. People had stopped caring by this point. The world had changed in two years. And Warren Beatty, God love him. Spend all this fucking money uh, telling Democrats to stop shitting on poor people. And then I remind you uh, that uh, Warren Beatty says the N-word in this movie. Yeah. So you're starting to see the crux of the dilemma we're having today. And I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah, fair enough. And I, and I know that when we do a review, we try to stay out of analysis. This is one of those movies where it's really hard to do that. Um, I guess I'll say on a filmmaking standpoint, since I haven't talked about that at all, like whether the movie is made well, uh, sorry to jump in there, Dustin. Uh, I'm going to say kudos to the soundtrack, uh, a movie with a lot of hip hop, mostly by white guys could have been terrible. And some of the early choices are kind of shitty. Uh, but in the middle, it's like, oh, there's some like really like hip-hop that's held up in here there's some public enemy there's some nwa um, there's insane in the membrane by cypress hill which is a classic for different reasons yes. just because it's so catchy um, the music usage is good though uh, i like the end of the movie i think the end's really interesting um, it makes it a much more interesting film um, the acting is all very good uh, warren beatty is is quite good in this movie um Even when he's rapping badly, I think that's a choice. I mean, I think he's making choices as an actor in this film. So he does well. It's competently shot. I mean, there's nothing flashy or special, really, um, as far as editing and pictures go. Um, And Halle Berry is is a great actress. She's great in it. Don Cheadle's really good. Uh, The acting's all stellar, and that makes sense. Warren Beatty, you know, actor turned director. Acting's good. So, yeah, film makes. Yay! (laughs) I, I don't know what you want me to say. No, I, I'm, I I'm to... still thinking about the goddamn fact that he's got that beanie on. hmm Oh, <sighs> okay. Dustin, what did you think about?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think in terms of filmmaking, it is uh it, it's well done. It's well shot. Um there's a moment when they're taking the limo into Compton. And it looks just like a uh, it looks. It looks just like a notorious Big video. That's I, I, I'm fair. I'm trying. Okay. To, I'm trying to think of which particular okay uh, that's video fair. it was. I
2: guess maybe my transfer that I watched was not good. Uh, I mean, it was a standard def rental, and it just maybe it looks shitty. I, I was really unimpressed with the visuals of this film.
1: Yeah, I, I think they make some good choices. I okay, mean, I, I think they really do. I, I think Warren Beatty is a very good director, and uh, so I like the movie very, very much. It definitely, um, you know. Topically, ideologically, is definitely a, a side piece to say Reds, another one of his. Oh, for films, sure. You know, yeah. and, and so his politics is worn upon his sleeve. Uh, the idea of setting it, you know, this sort of Else Worlds kind of thing, where you have this fake character, Jay Bullworth, but alongside the likes of Bob Dole, Bill Clinton, Dick Gephardt. And uh, all of those sort of uh, late '90s, you know, major political figures—that's interesting to me. It feels very yeah. Putting
2: it in the real world, I think, is a really smart choice.
1: But not quite the real world, also. Yeah. It's, it's clearly fantasy because I mean, yeah. this stuff would not have gone down. Also, you know, so it feels very West Wing in that way. Also, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of West Wing reunion casting going on there. But I
2: was—I was, I was going to say, here's how it's not like the West Wing. The West Wing is set in a fictional United States, different politicians. Yeah, for the most part. Different news people. Yeah. It is very much like, this is Earth 2, United States.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are some places where they fudge it a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so this is where the fudges are a little bit bigger. But it it was was great to see Oliver Platt. You know, it was great to see Josh Molina. So in terms of that kind of stuff, it made me really, really happy. Uh, As a film, in terms of its sort of West Winkert, and it does feel almost Sorkin esque at times in some of the dialogue. And so, those things all resonate with me uh, in in a real significant kind of way, you know. And I I mean, this is the same, I think it's the same year as an American President, the Michael Douglas film written by Sorkin. Uh,
2: It's the same year as Primary Colors. I don't think it's the same year as American President. Might have been the year before. Uh, I think American President was um, around the same time as A Few Good Men for Sorkin. Okay, yeah, may have. I think it was earlier.
1: Yeah, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, the filmography, you know, sort of chronology aside.
2: Sorkin yeah. did unwritten punch-ups on the uncredited punch-ups on this, by the way. Oh, did he Unsurprisingly. Really? Yeah. yeah,
1: well, that makes so much more sense because yeah. I did feel his wit coming mm-hmm. in in places. And so um, this sort of campaign drama, all that sort of stuff really, really appeals to me. But I'm with you. I, I, I very, very much like parts of it, mm-hmm. but I also very, very much don't. Also, uh, Mary Barkara. I'm just saying Amiri Baraka oh, I miss him so much you know he's a great poet and uh, a radical uh, you know uh, leftist and a uh, political thinker revolutionary thinker and uh, we we lost him just a year ago now I think and uh, for him playing the Rastafarian sort of prophet uh, throughout the uh, the entirety of the of the film was just wonderful and uh, we'll come to his last lines here a little bit more when we get to the end of all this, um, where you need to be a spirit, not a ghost. But and You uh,
2: really went for that, huh?
1: Y- yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: I didn't go for that. Oh. I, I I went for spirit, not a ghost. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I, I like that. I didn't go for the character.
1: Oh, the character. Well, no. I well, I mean, if uh, just my love of a I think, was coming. Well,
2: out. that's yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, what I've, he actually did was very little.
2: I really didn't like that. Yeah. He's a little too magic, if you know what I mean.
1: Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's fair.
2: Yeah. No. Totally fair. Yeah. It's a little gross, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree
1: with that entirely.
2: But I'm glad I didn't know who that was, so now yeah, I know who that is. Famous poet. And yeah. That that's that really cool.
1: Brilliant that, scholar. And him. now I know a thing. So, uh, so there you go, dear listener. That's where we're coming from in terms of our general pros and cons uh, regarding. This particular film but we're having this conversation right now not just so that we can talk to each other although we love doing this. We're having this conversation so that we can talk to you and we do that vag- via those magical means of social media. You almost said vaginal. I don't know how that ha- That's so strange. No, that's not how we do it at all. No, no. We- <laughs> no. Hardly ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh man i'm blushing you You are a married man talk social media man go uh
2: so we're on twitter that's at good underscore trash we're on facebook that's facebook.com forward slash gtm uh rate and review us on itunes stitcher radio i think those are the two big ones i don't know if we're on uh, i think we're on all the little ones i don't know we're on the two big ones um so yeah that's how you can find us um Mostly, this is what we do now, is the Good Trash Cast, our flagship show. But uh, there's other Good Trash Media side projects. There's a ridiculous amount of back catalog on some other shows that we've done in the past. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, one more time. Facebook.com forward slash GTM on Twitter at good underscore trash. Come find us. Come find
1: us. So, since I clearly need to go do some coke with Oliver Platt, I'm going to do that real quick and we'll go play our game.
2: I don't think that's going to stop you from uh, the work. Time to play the game. Time to play the
1: game. (laughs) And we're back. And uh, we're going to be talking about our favorite actors we'd like to see play politicians. Oh, That's right. Favorite actors we would like to
2: see as politicians. Brought to you by Bullworth. Bullworth. Warren Beatty, you know I like your politics. Wouldn't mind just a politician. I didn't really care for the way you did in this film. <laughs> Fair, it's a long game name. Um, really I'm going to go ahead and start off with Halle Berry. Yes, um, she she is. I definitely think if you're playing a, a states person, you need to be an actor of a certain age, right? I don't people under let's say 45 probably need not apply. Um, they're still young enough that they can play generals and shit. Um, I'm, I'm all about that, uh, elder statesperson, man. Um, and not that Halle Berry's elder. Uh, I, we were, we were just talking about this. Uh, is she 50 yet?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, She's in
2: her late forties. I would think so. Yeah. Um, she has such an authoritative screen presence and basically everything that she does. I, I don't have a hard time. seeing it at all in my mind I definitely I mean she's definitely got films where she plays you know a little bit more befuddled a little bit more uncertain she can play that um films like uh Cloud Atlas and Monsters Ball there's definitely a lot of uncertainty and shit like that but then you think about um films like Bullworth uh for instance where she is incredibly authoritative and just like says no I'm clearly the most important person in this room right now why are you not listening to what I have to say? So that that's my first pick. What what you got for me? Give me give me one.
1: Well so what I want to see is sort of a mashup kind of character. Um so somebody like Cory Booker Uh, kind of character, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, being played, you know, young, up and coming representative or senator who is uh, making some way, perhaps with some history, because I think about the world in which we live in right now, you know, sort of the current political climate, Uh, your ability to body slam someone apparently is a key trait uh, as a politician. So I think wrestling skills. Yeah. uh, Wrestling skills
2: are important. So Uh,
1: I'm thinking Dwayne, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, the Rock Johnson would be an excellent choice. Uh, yeah, okay, I can in, see that. in something like this, I and mean,
2: definitely for a, a, a satire. Well, he's uh, we're obviously not seeing him as a serious politician. Yeah, he's yeah. a
1: former athlete, former you know perhaps pro wrestler. Yeah, who is making a soiree into politics? Yeah, and uh, I think that would be a very very fun comedy. And uh, I think he can also he has yes he has he's sort of the mental acumen and the chops to really convey this idea that he can understand policy and an issue, mm-hmm. and uh, really you know you know knock See, so that's out of what heart. scares me
2: um, with all this rock president talk. Uh, that keeps happening. Uh, the, what they're, they're, what the floodgates are open, man. Well, he's joking about it. They did a, a goof on it on SNL.
1: I I did not know this. So I yeah, spoke he's totally unaware. Yeah, well, serious? that's
2: why I'm telling you this because I know you're like, oh no, don't actually do that, please, The Rock, don't do that. We like you, don't do that. I don't want to not like you. The Rock's a Republican. There's no way he's not. You think? Oh, 100 percent the guy. Okay, 100 percent. I love The Rock though. Uh, I, I just I, – I'm, I'm really for no famous people in politics, honestly. Um, th- this current administration has nothing to do with that. I've always felt that way. Um, I'm just not into it. I think it's kind of gross and gaudy. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's certainly been uh, transitions that weren't, that weren't terrible. Uh, Al Franken – um obviously L- you know let's do but that's not a celebrity uh and he was a writer i mean you could hardly say al franken you know have the same name recognition as arnold schwarzenegger um i was trying to think of somebody who wasn't a democrat so i didn't seem like totally yeah
1: sony bono was a sony bono republican uh well he i don't know what de- party i think bono was a mm-hmm. democrat
2: i was gonna say um clint eastwood because he was a mayor of that town but guess what democrat Yeah, then he was. Well, I I don't know what he is now other than Clint Eastwood. Um, He's angry at a chair. Yeah, we got distracted by uh, uh, politicians that are famous people. Let's be clear with this game. We do meet on screen. Yes, we do. There we go. In a movie. I I recovered it. Um, This one's totally a cheat, uh, because he's already played a political operative. uh, But Mahershala Ali, um, who has the coolest fucking voice in the
1: world. Yes.
2: um, I, I, I can definitely... I mean, just... But he's, he's already in, in his 40s, so we don't have to wait that much longer. Um, really soon. I mean, he just is in control of every scene. He's in everything he's done. Everything that I've seen. Um, I'm, I'm really thinking specifically about his way to command, his ability to command a room uh, in Luke Cage, which has him doing a lot of kind of big, screen-chewy, fun bad guy stuff. But then you've got his performance in Moonlight, which is, you know, much more smaller and nuanced and a lot of, like, powerful emotion. So, yeah, like, a, a really conflicted... Uh, politician who's having to make a bad choice um, yeah and uh, I'm into it I like that. that yeah right
1: I like that a lot yeah I thought you would um, this um, particular uh, actor I'd like to see playing a secretary of state mm-hmm. and uh, so you're picking
2: specific positions yeah okay. I really am because yeah. right. Right.
1: Uh, traveling, the, con- you know, no, I traveling like the world and having conversations and I, I want to see him play it as a combination of two of his former characters and that actor is Samuel L. Jackson And I want to see him doing it sort of as... Hasn't he played the Secretary of State? Has he? I don't know. I don't think so. He's definitely played politicians. Has he? Well, I mean, I think about the Nick Fury character where he's No, but he's
2: definitely played, like, a politician in something. I'm 100% Well, he's been
1: at it a long time. Yeah. But he's if, in everything. Yeah, right. I mean, all the time. But like Jules from the end of Pulp Fiction, where he's you know mm-hmm. wanting to walk the earth and you know sort yeah. of make peace and that okay. kind of stuff, combined with the sort of uh, competence that he is able to convey as he plays Mr. Arnold in Jurassic Park. Okay. You know, I think that would be really, really fun I to see. I can see, see that, Interesting. Yeah, 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 And, and, and it would be a good time. So that would be my second pick. Do you have any more picks?
2: Um, you know, when you said The Rock, I immediately was like, who's who would be another good funny? Who would be really good in like an out-and-out funny uh, political, not like a kind of a, a wry political satire, but an actively funny one, something along the lines of uh, the campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifnagos. And I was like, oh, Michael Pena. Oh yeah, so my opinion is great, right? Uh, and I think you know he has enough range as an actor that he could he could do, he could do the more serious version. He could do something more along the lines. But I definitely see him like on the uh, on the staff of um, a president, like as a you know on the staff or uh, the chair of a committee. So i because he's still a younger guy. So I don't think here's what I could see him doing is like a local representative, like city council, um, or like a state legislature. And again, this is an, an age thing for him. I think just because he's so much younger um, than a lot of the people we've been talking about. Cause I think Pena, I, I would be shocked to find out he's older than 42. I would be stunned. Mm-hmm. Um, which is about the same age as Mahershala Ali. But I think, um, just with his career check right now, I'm going to buy that before I buy Pena as president. Um, but man, I like Michael Pena. He's funny. He's good. He's got, he's got chops, dramatically and comedically. So that was one that I thought about when you said The Rock. Um, you got anything else for me? I have one
1: last one, okay. also an action star. Okay. But in this particular instance, I'm thinking a senator from the great state of Hawaii... And it, uh, definitely more of a film that is about an issue, an immigration issue. Okay. Because when we talk about immigration, we talk oftentimes about uh, Latina Latinas, and uh, those that, that side of it. And that's very, very important, and is definitely a vital part of the conversation. But we don't talk nearly enough about East Asian immigration mm-hmm. as well. And, of course, there's a massive Chinese population mm-hmm. in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Donna Yen. Playing a senator. Get the fuck
2: out of here! Ah, oh, shut your mouth.
1: Uh, none. tell me. Oh tell no, I'm
2: so into it. Tell me it's not crazy. Yeah, yeah. no, I love it. I yeah, love it. yeah, Donnie is the best. Do you know he? Don, Donnie Ian. I know we just were talking about how whooping ass is not part of being a man. And, Correct. Yeah, don't do a hit. But do you know Donnie Yen, uh is a legit badass? Like competitively. Yes. Like I knew he knew martial arts because he does a lot of martial arts in his films. Like I knew he was talented. I didn't know, you know, talented fight choreography does not mean you can scrap though. Donnie Yin is like like belt holding and metal holding mm-hmm. in like worldwide competitive martial arts. Did you know this? Yeah, I did know you this. You knew this the whole time. I did. No one told me. I'm sorry. I, yeah, he, he's I, always talking about, he's like, you know, if I was like 20 years younger, because Donnie Yen's way older than he looks. Yes, he is. Uh, he was like, you know, if I was like 20 years younger, I'd like to give, give uh, UFC a shot. Because he loves UFC. He's a huge fan. Huh. Isn't that crazy? He's super into mixed martial arts That's and wished, wishes it had been around when he was fighting competitively. He was like, I don't know that I would have uh, become an actor if that had been around. I think I might have stuck with fighting. Wow. Yeah. Huh. He's also an amazing actor. Yeah, he's really he's amazing. He's an incredible actor. In two languages. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, I like him
1: very, very <sighs> much. But I, I'm So does this
2: turn into, hold on, does this turn into an Air Force One situation where he's got to kick somebody off a plane? No. Okay, no we're going to go straight. A- okay. Straight drama, straight no drama. Kung Fu. Okay. I'll be all right. Yeah, I always prefer my Donnie in doing kung fu. Kung fu. But uh, you're right, that's bad. We need more uh, films about America starring Asian people, not kicking people in the head.
1: Well, that, and I don't think we've ever had an Asian American or Asian in, of any you know nationality uh, dramatic lead ever
2: in a film, in a uh, Hollywood I, film. Shit, I can't think of a studio film. No, I, don't I, think I cannot think of a studio film where the uh, uh, there's with an Asian lead. Never uh, happened as far as I I'm I mean,
1: surely. I'm rolling my brain right now. I, I can I am
2: too. I can't think of anything.
1: And that's the problem.
2: Yeah. No shit. I mean, I guess Enter the Dragons uh, you know, is a independent film.
1: But it, but it's not a dramatic lead. It's an action. Lead. It's we an do, action lead. You're we, right. We do okay. have action leads. You know, we have a Jackie Chan movie here. Yeah. And there.
2: I was. You're, you're right. I got too. Hung, I got too hung up on the Jackie Chan movies co-starring Owen Wilson.
1: Yes. But yeah, as a dramatic slash romantic lead, yeah. we've never done it. Fucking
2: wow. I mean, yeah, you got your ensemble movies for sure, but man,
1: yeah, we got to we got to fix that. That's, yeah, that's a, problem. a problem. That's yeah. a real problem.
2: We gotta get we gotta get shit together. Well, this was fun. This has become the uh, Good Trash Why Guild podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna talk a lot about, and it's because I feel for Warren Beatty. Right, you want to be an ally. Right, you can tell he wants to. He's just doing a really shitty job. He doesn't know how. And twenty years ago, I'm, I'm going to throw Bullworth a bull worth of bone. This movie looks a lot more progressive twenty years ago. Our conversation about race was a lot different in 1998. I think. Yeah. Um. And, well, and I'm thinking I'm going to credit that with, you know, white people being more stupid twenty years ago. The conversation should have been the same that it is now. And I think you get snippets that the conversation hasn't changed a lot for the black community because they've always seen all sides of the issue because they have lived all sides of the issue. Um, but credit where credit's due, Bullworth does tackle, you know, systemic issues, you know, things that are a lot more nuanced. Um, he touches uh, – it touches a little bit on um, some things I think are important. So let's get into that. Let's do analysis. Yeah, I
1: think it's time to get down to business. It's business.
0: trying to say it's time for business it's business time Ooh, it's, business. it's
1: business time. and that business is as always analysis dalton
2: you were saying so yeah i i wanted to quantify why dustin and i are, are, are being so white guilty right now because yes. it, it can come on a little because strong. Well, we're white, Here, here's guilty. The, well here's the thing even when you're being an ally it can come on a little strong like all right calm down you don't don't, don't be uh, Bradley Whitford and get out, okay? Don't, don't say you would have voted for Barack Obama a third time. Calm the fuck down. Stop. And I know we're, we're being a little aggressive with how much uh, we, we aren't racist today. Um, it, I think it's because I can kind of, as I was saying, I can feel for Warren Beatty. And I don't mean Bullworth the character. I can feel for Warren Beatty as a filmmaker. He's trying his best. He's trying to be an ally. He's trying to make a film, a Hollywood film, that is talking about issues that are important, right? So I can feel for him when he, I see how much he fucking whiffed it, dude. And I feel for him. He's still fucked up. I don't think he's a bad person. I think he he made an, a fifty million dollar mistake or however much money this movie cost.
1: Yeah, not much. The difference
2: is when Warren Beatty's a bad ally, the whole world can you know rent it for two ninety nine. When I'm a bad ally, one of my friends goes, "Dude, come on, what are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And I feel like a, a turd, and I apologize to like three people, right? So I can feel for him, because being publicly shamed is not fun.
1: Yeah, and I think the real problem for me for what he's doing, because it is right. He is trying as a white guy to shine a light on mm-hmm. issues and there seem to be moments race
2: and poverty. Exactly, and there seem to be moments where he does what I was just talking about, where he kind of acknowledges. I, guys, I get it. I know... I started to tell the joke earlier and got sidetracked. Uh, one of the, the young black kids he's uh, going around with, when he starts rapping at, at that function I was telling you about. Lots of rapping. One of the kids goes, oh, is that how white people rap? It's very funny. It's a good joke. It's one of the best jokes in the movie. Uh, we were saying off air it's one of the only jokes that doesn't like completely immediately seem like it was written by a white person. It's one of the few that kind of points out that what Warren Beatty is doing is ridiculous. What Bullworth, the character, is doing while, like, putting out a good message is absurd and almost a little obscene.
1: Yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit. And so I, I, mean, I get that. And, a
2: lot obscene, actually. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and rectify that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So he, he's trying. He's, he's doing what he can to help. But what ends up happening, and I think this is one of those things that sort of can't avoid happening mm-hmm. in a film made by a white guy, written by the same white guy, directed by that white guy. Starring who also that white guy. stars the exact same was white guy. Was it
2: produced by that white guy? It was
1: also produced okay. by this one white guy. Who's the same white guy? Who's the same white guy called okay. Warren Beatty. Yeah, okay. All, all the time. This no one, one is there to tell him he's wrong. Right. Well, and he gets to be the hero. Exactly. That, that what black people need he, is a White Jesus. Here's the thing that he does
2: that the movie never mentions, and it drove me insane. And both characters get a reaction to it, but the movie doesn't point it out. Halle Berry drops some fucking knowledge on him. Don Cheadle drops some fucking knowledge on him. He verbatim quotes both of them without giving credit. Yeah. And we get reaction shots from both of them. That they love it. See, I feel like Don Cheadle's read a little differently to me. Halle Berry's, I read it as she loved it. And I'm, I'm like, she, she's following direction there, you know. Okay. Um, I feel like Don Cheadle's reads a little bit differently. Don Cheadle reads is like, wait a second, people are responding to this thought I had. Why am I a drug dealer? Like, oh shit, I could have like been a a, a real like you know, politically up and up a leader in the community. He's is a leader in the community. Let's be clear. He's, he's a good drug dealer. He's taking care of the community. Um, but there is this kind of this moment where he's like, ah, God damn it. I could maybe, you know, maybe if things had gone differently and also man, fuck this white guy. Like you don't just get to like steal that wisdom and then not give me credit for it. But then there is a little bit of man. I'm glad somebody's saying it. So I feel like the reaction we get from Cheadle's character is a little bit more nuanced, but you're right. He definitely
1: likes it. Right. And it's not bad to have... Anybody saying it? I mean, no. that, that's that's the one thing was like we have this moment where at least somebody's doing that thing that we want to have exactly. done. It's kind of the wrong person, mm-hmm. and it is kind of weirdly messianic, mm-hmm. right? And that and it's
2: weirdly messianic uh, while like ignoring the prophets.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. As it were, in as this it were. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- it's it, it's 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 problematic, but it's again we think 1998. I'm telling you what that conversation 1998. There is one line. Uh, that's almost a throwaway line. It's an interrupted conversation. Sean Astin, uh, little, little Samwise Gamgee is in this movie. Yes, barely. he is. he got and, like
2: five lines.
1: And he is talking to uh, one of the girls that they meet mm-hmm. uh, at the church, at the black church, uh, that sort of comes along for the ride along with the Nina character played by Halle Berry. And he says something about Ebonics, right? And I cannot tell you how intense that conversation was in Oklahoma. But 1998. nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight. I'm voting at this time. You yeah, know?
2: you're 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 an adult, and and so I uh, have learned to tie my shoes at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe I don't know. No, yeah, I, I, I tied my shoes. Oh, okay, I took yeah. you for slower. No, I'm I'm, I'm I'm a real quick. I'm a
2: real quick study. Pop, <laughs> I learned real good. <laughs> uh, but, no, yeah, I, I was not plugged into these conversations.
1: And it was – I mean it was really, really intense and fired up. And, it, and what, what he's trying to do is trying to acknowledge that culture. He's, he, he wants to say that's fine, but the thing is it's not his job. It's not by him – Uh, designating the thing, the be fine, as a white guy and an arbiter of culture, that he does it. He's not the one Hollywood filmmaker who's not making crap as he is uh, criticizing this sort of Mm room full of uh, mostly Jewish, it turns out, uh, funders uh, that are from the Hollywood types that are funding this Democratic campaign, which is typical uh, as far as Hollywood funding happening on – more on the – what we would call the left uh, in, in, in that, that sort of situation. So he's, he's calling them out and saying, no, you know, it's all this crap that you guys make. But he's really not the one guy making the one good movie. And by so doing, you know, he is now valorized and sanctified.
2: Well, he's, he does point out, and again, it's the next scene, Oliver Platt's like, why did you do that? He goes, yeah, I, movies are good. He's, he's like, I was, like, it's pointed out that he was fucking with them. Right. He didn't yeah. care if they were here. He was 100% fucking with them, uh, which is why he invokes the fact that they are Jewish. Um still kind of gross. Uh, it still comes yes. gross. Like, just because you work in Hollywood doesn't mean you get to make an anti-Semitic pop, man. Like, it's not that funny. Problematic. The joke The joke was okay. It wasn't. Don't pat yourself on the back for it. And that's the thing. He keeps backpedaling. Oliver Platt being like, why did you invoke their Jewish paranoia just to get a rise out of them? So it's like, see, I know what I did. Huh? I'm not actually an anti-Semite. I was doing... Okay, Warren, we get it. Stop. Just don't do it. How about that? And then there's uh, the other issue in there, other than that, which I have forgotten now, because I went off on a tangent about that one. Well, oh, the movies. He makes a point about, like, I'm just, you know, saying what they make is bad. But it still has Warren Beatty, the guy who wrote and directed and stars in this movie, saying, all Hollywood movies are crap, except this one.
1: Yeah. And, and so, it, 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 we don't need... We, Ugh, he's we. always
2: trying to, like, have his cake and eat it, too.
1: Right. And, and that, that is the thing. And it, the, the movie does begin to address why are there no African-American leaders? I mean, that's a real question that I think Warren Beatty is asking. And I think, uh, as far as he is concerned... He doesn't really see anybody filling that role. I mean, who we got at that point? We got Louis Farrakhan. We got Jesse Jackson. You know, uh, there are great leaders, you know. But as far as, like, high visibility, especially in terms of okay, white We're America, talking
2: about 1996 through 98
1: right yeah, now. Yeah, high visibility in white America. I'm not saying that those are the only two um, African-American leaders in the United States. They absolutely were not. But that being said, they were not – there were very few who were getting a lot of coverage on CNN. At that point,
2: yeah, the people they there were cultural leaders, yeah, that were getting coverage for sure, but not community and political leaders.
1: But for Warren Bay to feel like it's up to him to take up the mantle and that somehow people will follow him as a result of it is a little self-aggrandizing and ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's in it's completely absurd. Uh, it's just weird, and I think that's why Dustin and I have both felt the need throughout this uh, episode to be like we know this is bad because we do want people to know we know this is bad. Right. Uh, And uh, I, I want to very kindly admonish Warren Beatty a little bit. Again, I don't want to get up in his ass too much. I don't, I don't want to be like, Warren Beatty is a bad person. I, I don't want that to be the conversation, but I also want it to be clear that we know this is bad. It's kind of gross, but there's something there. And I think that's part of what we want to talk about too. And I think that's why we've made such a point of pointing out that, we're a little troubled by this film, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's another thing that's going on in the film that I find to be very interesting, and it's a thing that I've been saying for a long time, and I don't think I'm the only one who has been saying it. And obviously Warren Beatty, Beatty was saying this in the 90s, um, that what we're dealing with when we're dealing with Democrats and Republicans is we're simply dealing with two different parties with the exact same sponsorships. And that um, they are um, all uh, beholden to the major movers in capitalism. In this case, uh, insurance companies. Yeah. And uh, that there really isn't an option between the two. That the, the 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 nearness of our parties in the United States is a little bit ridiculous.
2: For sure. The the nearness of the center wings of both parties. Um, I think the conversation about politics has changed a lot in 20 years, obviously. Um, I think Warren Beatty's point about that is a little bit better than than it is now. Um, There's definitely something there, but it's like, okay, we're fighting a whole different battle right now. Warren Beatty, like we're having a totally different conversation. Uh, we'll, We'll get to we're trying to work on campaign finance reform. Because that's a real big one, but also we're making sure nobody gets put in a camp right now. We're like, we're trying to change hearts and minds about like loving your fellow person,
1: right? Well, we well, we've definitely had this sort of fascist push that's happened, yeah. You know, and yeah. again,
2: I'm not I'm not specifically talking about the current administration uh, because oh, I that's am. I'm not. I'm talking about the people that put the current administration in power. I'm talking about a, a, a quasi fascist movement around young white men um, and, and the all right uh, and older white men too, for sure. Um, and older white women, um, for sure. Um, definitely, I'm throwing them under the the bus and admonishing them. Th- this current administration is an oligarchy. It's not fascist. I mean, it's, it's uh, corruption and stupidity. My point is, there was a fascist push culturally in the United States. There's been an authoritarian push culturally in the United States, which has changed the conversation to some extent. Um, Because as it turns out, you're not picking the lesser of two evils anymore. There's a good guy and a bad guy. And the conversation about the choice between the lesser of two evils is how we got people justifying um voting the way they did in this election that that's the point that i want to make is that conversation the you know south park would visit this exact same thing not that much longer i think around 2000 uh during the 2000 election might have been 04 uh the the giant douche in the shit sandwich right we get it okay politicians are bad we get a war in but sometimes the conversation is more nuanced than that sometimes there is a clear bad guy
1: Well, okay, I'm I'm with you. You get what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying. And I know what
2: you're saying, too, and I want to get to what you're saying. Yeah. My point is, in the specifics of the conversation of race and inequality in the United States, there is a clear good guy. Now let's go to what you're talking about because that's where – what I just said is where this gets yeah, important. the
1: problems of neoliberalism, which is exactly. the economic policy that is entirely adopted by both the Democratic Party and uh, the Republican Party. which it's does a, It's a
2: blended economy. It, it's it, capitalism with some forms of state sanction.
1: Whatever that happens to look like, yeah. Yeah,
2: some vaguely socialistic policies, vaguely, uh, that are only around because of how bad corporations got in the 20s and 30s, and then – a, a form of free market, mm-hmm. right? It, right. It's, that, that's that's neoconservatism or le- neoliberalism. They're kind of the same thing.
1: Yeah, they're they're, they're all they're almost entirely the yeah. same thing. And, and what it, what ends up happening in, in in policy and in practice, and this is what happens on the Democratic Party, is this move into neoliberalism, which does indeed decimate. Um, poor white communities and poor black communities, that that it becomes not an issue about race as much as it becomes an issue about economics.
2: Which Warren Beatty makes a point to talk about, and that's where things get good.
1: I have never, ever been so attracted to Halle Berry in my life as I was in this moment when she's asked directly the question why there are no black leaders. And she talks about the loss of manufacturing jobs in black communities where things like the North American Free Trade Agreement NAFTA signed in 1997, if memory serves. I'm such a nerd. I watched it on C-SPAN. Yeah, you did. I did. And I watched Al Gore cast Mm -hmm. the the Mm tie-breaking vote. Yeah. uh, So
2: you're doing a lot of cool stuff in college.
1: Yeah. I was I was definitely oh man I was a catch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Were you the guy that could, uh, that had cigarettes behind the locker? I realize now you you would have been 17 so could people find you with a with a pack of smokes out by the gym?
1: Uh, yeah, you're
2: a real cool guy, weren't you?
1: Yeah, it's real hip. Yeah, man. you're real
2: cool. Yeah, everyone wanted to yeah, be. Everybody yeah, everybody
1: loved yeah. you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh, but that, <laughs> but but the result of those things yes. is the benefit. The net benefit happens in the pockets of the large corporations, mm-hmm. and what ends up happening to blue collar workers is the loss of jobs and of opportunities. And if you begin to look at what's happening in northern New, uh, northern excuse me Mexico at the same time. The benefit doesn't even happen for Mexican workers either. It's all about exploitation. It doesn't become about Hispanics or whites or blacks. It becomes about oligarchical exploitation in order to overturn profits. And those are the people who are making the contributions to the campaigns, and those are the masters whom the political elite end up serving.
2: And I think here lies the problem. Um, Because Warren Beatty is a rich guy. And while Warren Beatty Um, clearly has um, very leftist-leaning feelings on on, a fair and just society, I think it's very easy for someone in that position to be like, well, but everyone's the same on the inside. You're right, they are, man. But when you're a little bit closer to the ground, it's harder to see that. You can't be, again, the martyr who sees past it all with your fat fucking wad of cash that you self-finance this movie with. It's hard for the people on the ground to, to acknowledge that sometimes because that's the whole point of um, stopping the people who don't have uh, means. It, don't let them see that. That's the whole point of preventing class consciousness. Uh, and how do we do that? You know, by making race important. The only problem is, yes, it's a social construct. You can't just decide to stop, though. You st- still have to undo it. Right. right. And that's what Warren Beatty, I don't know that he always sees. Uh, I think he sees it a little bit. He's smart enough as a person writing this film, starring in this film, he's smart enough to see race is still important. It's still part of the equation. It always will be in this country because of its history. But what he doesn't see is that, well, we can't just decide we're all the same. He has this line that at its heart is beautiful. uh, Is like, well, yeah, this this is going to be a problem. We should all just fuck each other until we're all the same color.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Which like is that's a brilliant line. Yeah, that's
2: a great line. Like it sounds, it works in the movie, but I think Warren Beatty really wants that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, dude, that's great. Like that would fix a lot of problems. We gotta fix real problems first, though. We gotta get people in the same room together. Let alone having consenting lovemaking.
1: Well, and I I think what this begins to help us understand um, is is the trickle-down of scholarship right now in terms of uh, radical leftist politics. Because in the late 90s, intersectionality is becoming part of the conversation, but it really isn't in the popular conversation. I don't know that Warren Beatty would be aware of that word at that time or if he's even aware of that word right now. Well, I think
2: that's part of the problem we're we're getting at. We're talking about some woke-ass shit. In 1998, Mm -hmm. the conversation has changed a lot.
1: Right. And so, yes, indeed, race issues matter and they are very, very important and need to be wrestled with, as do economic issues. But at the time in the 90s, what was going on is that you had a lot of people saying, what we really need to do is we need – well, we need to be what Halle Berry says. I'm a, mater- I'm a materialist at heart, she says, and that she is one of those people who is making the statement that it isn't really about race. It is about the economics. We fix the economics. We fix the race. And there are other people saying, no, race is the real problem. We need to work on the race. And what has happened in the conversation since then is that we've raised up the idea that no, we work on all the It's things. both and Yes, it's not either or. So let's talk about gender and let's I think, talk about sexuality. And I
2: think Warren Beatty's trying I think he sees that more than a lot of people yeah. having these conversations in nineteen ninety eight were. And good for him. He's he's seeing that people are turning it into an either or or, or an either or.
1: And he tries to. Well, I think he's picking his either. The,
2: yeah, you think so? I think. I think. Do you he's think picking, it's the race is what he
1: picks? No, I think he's picking the economics. You think he's picking the economics? I okay. think. I think he finds his way into committing fully to the gotcha. economics and by seeing the way. See, I
2: never movement. feel him totally commit, and that's part of the problem to me. Is he's got he he's it, it's not intersectional as you mentioned. He does see that it's two different conversations about the same thing, though, and I'm going to give him credit for that because yeah. that's kind of impressive. Good for you. I I don't feel he ever commits to either. You feel that he does eventually uh, commit to the economics of it.
1: I I do. I, I mean, and, there, and part of the reason why is that that seems to be the continual sort of uh, battle cry that he's having. That that he's he's not talking, even though there is this wonderful moment of near police brutality involving an ice cream cone. Yeah, this is a good moment. It's a good it's moment. It's a good moment in and, the film. And it, it, again, very woke for 98. Yeah, man. And I know, and Warren Beatty. The says, whole
2: time I was watching, I was like, this is... R- Wow, I yeah. was like really shocked that uh, two white guys wrote the scene in 1998. Well, I
1: mean, Rodney King had just happened. That's OJ fair. had just happened. Yeah, so.
2: man, we really forgot a lot of lessons, didn't we? Yeah. Man, so. we really
1: screwed the pooch with the early aughts. Oh, man, so all that stuff's going on, and so that's, that's probably why that sort of thing gets written in. But what he ends up taking from the conversation he has with Don Cheadle's drug dealer character is the idea that you can't do this work in a job at Burger King. That it's fundamentally about the idea that there aren't jobs and opportunities in these communities, okay. and the historic uh, again uh, horrors of systemic racism of Jim Crow in the South and the new Jim Crow of the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Those things really, if we fix the economics, those things go away. And I don't think that that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it, it has to be both of those things. And I do think Beatty uh, and his Bullworth character sort of fall on that line.
2: Okay, I can see that. I'm, I'm starting to see it more and more, especially with how Bullworth behaves towards the end of the film. He he stops his uh, insistence on uh, dressing like uh, an eight-year-old from Santa Barbara. Uh, <laughs> let's be clear. He's dressed like a white kid. Yeah, he is. He's it's dressed like a white kid, totally dressed like, like a, a black guy. kid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very weird. Uh, but he, he drops this, this weird outfit, this weird black face that he has on. He stops rapping. It goes back to, like, hey, this is actually what I'm like, guys. Why didn't you just do that the whole time? And that's the thing that drives me crazy about this movie is why why, why do we have him doing this? Like, yeah, him, like, going to clubs and, like, smoking weed and doing shots. Like, that all makes sense for what is happening. This guy thinks he's going to – this guy's about to commit suicide, basically. Right. So it makes sense. I don't understand this weird adoption, uh, this weird affectation or his attempt – <laughs> he doesn't he, I wouldn't only say he appropriates black culture he attempts to mm-hmm. uh, poorly and I don't understand why that choice in the film I mean, it never makes sense to me because I, without that I'm gonna go ahead and say this is a good movie if he there's a, a really there's a much better movie hiding in here without that aspect of
1: the plot. I think he wants it. I, I mean, I think it is a real thing that he discovers. I, I think he, he, mm-hmm. he becomes, um, you know, sort of enamored with it, and it's okay. also under the influence of him not having slept or ate for four days. Okay, at All this right. point, so he's not exactly himself. Okay, and so once he finally rests, he has realized and learned what he has learned, but he is back to being his old white self.
2: And I guess what I'm going to say about that is, and you're right, and th- that makes sense. His, his delirium is what allows him to discover this this newfound appreciation for what's actually going on in the world i'll give you that um i can live with jay bulworth having Halle Berry's as a romantic love interest i can i can live with it i still think it's gross yeah i agree i can live with him doing some of this this caricature stuff i can live with it i don't love it i think it's bad i can live with it i cannot live with both of those things together and i think that's the problem okay not only do you want to be an old white guy who uh gets to hang out and, you know, be one of the cool kids, not only do you want that, not only do you want to, like, adopt and be adopted by this culture, you also want to fuck Halle Berry. Come on, man. Yeah. You don't get to have both of these things in one movie and it still come across okay. Because no matter what message Warren is peddling, whether... It is, you know, this really great thing about single payer health care and, you know, trying to make sure people can find jobs and trying to make sure we remember to love each other. You can't peddle that and also peddle, man, it would be great if uh, a young black woman would have sex with me. No, you're a grown man. Yeah. Act like a grown. What are you doing? And that's where we get into the gender issues in this film. Because I think, uh, as we discuss intersectionality and we talk about class and we talk about race, now we need to talk about the other thing that's really important, gender. uh, And gender relations in our society and our culture. And the need for this film to have traditionally structured, uh, specifically white heteronormative traditional structuring, means an old white guy gets to have sex with a young exotic woman. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you... Don't unpack these things in our culture. Well, we do. We always do. Who's Who's the lead of this movie? Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty's got to fall in love with somebody. Well, he's hanging out with black people in this movie. He should fall in love with a black person. Okay, so like uh, like Angela Bassett. She wasn't old enough then. But so like you know somebody about the same age as
1: him. No, 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 no. We're gonna find a really, really young, hot black girl. With um, as Caucasian features as possible.
2: Ooh, there it is again. We just keep finding problems. (laughs) You see what I mean? Like, it's fine for Bullworth to have a black love interest in this movie. I think that's fine. It's not okay for her to be hella young, though. That's really not okay. And, yes, I'm, I'm not trying to say people of very different ages can't love each other. I'm saying there are already so many kind of messy things, kind of gross things about this movie that you can't keep adding more. Yeah. It's a it's it's like a, a reverse Jenga. The more you add, the more unstable this film gets.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I I totally agree. And and so the politics are are really really troubled. Um, I also want to ask you a question, Dalton, because um, we were talking a little bit off mic about the end of this film. What okay, en- what ends up happening? Uh, the, throughout the course of the film, that we did mention the synopsis, and we've been sort of the, we mentioned the suicide plan. The suicide plan is that he has hired a hitman to mm-hmm. assassinate himself.
2: And he can't cancel the hit because the guy that. Uh, Wrote up the hit, uh, has had a heart attack.
1: Yeah, and so it's difficult, and, and hilarity, and hijinks, and shenanigans ensue.
2: Well, he finally calms down, because he realized Halle Berry is plan B, and mm-hmm. now that they're in love, she's not going to murder him. Right. And he's like, oh, so I'm definitely not going to get murdered. Cool. Well, it turns out, while he was saying all this uh, woke-ass socialist shit, um, he really pissed off the health insurance company, so they put out a hit on him.
1: <laughs> and so Paul Sorvino himself, perhaps, mm-hmm. or or his, you know... Or his agents, you know, however that ends up happening. Paul Ravino being one of the big health insurance guys ends up shooting him from, you know, uh, as he leaves the home of uh, Halle Berry's character, Nina. And uh, you said something really interesting. You said it was a an execution, not a martyrdom.
2: I, th- I tried to think about it through that lens. Uh, I was doing my best to because I was trying to find some redemption for this movie. Um, now, I'm, I'm not going to speak to author intent here. I'm going to speak to my reading of the film, what makes me like it more, right? I'm going to read that the world has punished Jay Bulworth for his hubris and his arrogance and his assumption that he could be the mighty white savior. Um, that happened because he was careless in trying to affect change. He, he, he had this great knowledge. He went to the mountain, found the great knowledge, and instead of taking it back to the people, he threw it at the people. And laughed in their faces as they were shocked and confused by the knowledge he'd brought back from the mountain. Right? Yeah. And for his hubris, for his carelessness uh, in stealing fire from the gods, he is struck down. Because you can't get a gift that precious. You can't realize how fucked up the world is and then not try to really affect change in the world. Because Jay Woolworth does not care about affecting change. He's He is doing this. He's on a bender. You know what I mean? He he is, he is abusing sacred truth. Uh, and, and that's what I find really gross about it sometimes. And I think Warren Beatty thinks that's gross too. Maybe. But the reading that I like better is that he is definitely dead and he has been punished for what he did. And I know you don't see it that way. You see it as him being
1: martyred, right? I, I, I do. I, I think it's because he says what he says. You know, and uh, that you don't get to do that and live. And what he is doing... By saying what he says is what happens a lot of times when people do get a little woke, that they do choose self-immolation rather than engaging in the issue. Um, and so, uh, Amiri Baraka's last words at the end of the film is that you need to be a spirit, not a ghost, uh, seems to be very, very, you know, appropriate to this is that what you can say is that, okay, yes, the world is broke and there are terrible things and someone needs to speak truth to power and you can do these sort of things that are going to get you in front lines, but you know, between yourself and the police or between yourself and government and get yourself thrown in jail or executed or whatever sort of martyrs fantasy that you want to carry on. But what might be more useful is to be yourself as part of society, and you keep speaking and injecting that truth in regular order. Exactly that you are the specter that is haunting European capitalism, which is exactly what uh, Bar- Bar- Barakara, uh, Barack excuse me is uh, quoting at the end of the film, the opening paragraphs of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, and that yeah, yeah baby, you, you got to haunt that stuff. And, and see, and that's why I like to see it, as, for it. I
2: like to see it as a punishment. It, it is a punishment okay. for craving martyrdom. Now, again, I think it might kind of play out as martyrdom in some ways. I like it better if he's punished for it. Yeah. but I think you're right. I think what Warren Beatty probably thinks, uh, and I, I think the actual framing is ambiguous enough mm-hmm. that you, I think either reading is valid. I think the text supports both readings. I think what Warren Beatty was probably going for was see what happens when somebody speaks the truth. Yeah. Yeah, they Tupac'd me.
1: No, Warren Beatty, they didn't. You're <laughs> still alive, goddammit. it! It's just a movie. <laughs> oh no. Uh. So well, good times. Okay, well that I think that'll wrap up our analysis for right now, dear listener. We'd love. Yeah, to hear we kind
2: of we got a little. Uh, soapboxy. So boxy. We're sorry. There's a lot here, listener. Yeah,
1: yeah, there is. Um. So well, we're gonna we're gonna move on and transition to the next part of our show. So we now come to the part of our show where we must render a verdict, and that verdict is, does this film belong on the shelf or does it belong in the trash? And based upon that decision, what else, or instead, ought you to watch? What do you say, Dalton Stewart? Well, while
2: I think this movie has some good messaging, uh, the the packaging is definitely not good, as we have covered uh, ad nauseum. I also don't think word Beatty is that important of a filmmaker, so you don't need it for historical reasons. Um... Shots fired. I didn't say he was an important actor. I didn't say he was an important figure in Hollywood. I said he made five movies. Fuck off out of here. I don't care if one of them is Reds and one of them is Heaven Can Wait. One of them's uh, uh Rules Don't Apply. Nobody gives a shit about Rules Don't Apply. Or Dick Tracy. Or Dick Tracy. Thank you. I'd for- I knew there was a real bad one in there. <laughs> See, that's my point. I know Heaven Can Wait's kind of like a silly romantic comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's vaguely spiritual, but still romantic comedy. Yes, Reds is a grand sweeping epic. Who cares? That's one movie. That's one movie. We don't need Bulworth for historical reasons. The only reason I could see keeping it around is to see what was woke and edgy in 1998. So, trash. Um, there's just better movies. Um, you
1: know what? Let's go. We we mentioned Mahershala Ali. Uh, let's, so, let's go ahead and say Moonlight real quick. Well, um, I, I think in terms of Star Studies, that's an interesting pick because I was thinking the same thing because Warren Beatty is the guy who muffed the announcement of Moonlight winning mm-hmm. Best Picture. Yes, it is.
2: Isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's I, weird, right? I don't think we he want to make too much it. hay of that. No, because it. he wrote
1: it was in the envelope. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't He didn't muff it, yeah.
2: But it oh. is kind of funny. Um, I didn't even make that connection, though. The only reason I thought about it was because Rules Don't Apply came out that same year. Ah. Um, that was the only reason I thought about it, but also because we talked about uh, Mahershala Ali earlier. And because I think Moonlight is a very uh, intersectional film. It deals with class. It deals with mental health. It deals with race. It deals with addiction. Some mental health, we'll put that under the umbrella. It deals with sexuality. It deals with uh, gender. Uh, whew, there's so much going on. There's so much going on, which is why it's such a powerful, important, and beautiful film. Right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, so that's a better option. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the Matrix franchise, Sans Part 1. <laughs> Hold on with Sans me. Sans Part 1. Sans Part 1. So Dustin knows go this. On. I have been on a rip the last two days, uh, reconsuming uh the supplemental Matrix materials, uh, the Animatrix and Reloaded and Revolutions. I've always kind of stood up for the Animatrix. I've always kind of preached that it's super good. I am starting to come around big time on the sequels, and here is why. Because I think it does what Bullworth fails to do. The Matrix says enlightenment, whether it's cultural, spiritual, political, however you want to look at enlightenment, but figuring out that the world is broken and we should be doing something about it That is an important thing. And the Matrix says, you go to the mountain, you bring back the knowledge. Two and three remind you, yeah, there's a lot of steps between going to the mountain and getting back to the people and then the people accepting the message. Holy shit. Yeah, man, it's working on a lot of levels. It it makes the argument that, no, dum-dum, you don't just get to be enlightened. Like, it's always complex. The world's always messy. You don't ever get to figure it out, you dum-dum. You will always be trying to be better. You will always strive to know more, strive to be more empathetic, to care more about the people around you. You will always be doing that work. You don't just go beat up Agent Smith and it's done and everybody wins because there's one bad guy. No, the world is complicated. There are many sides to every single conversation. Um, and I think that is what Bulwer fails to do. And I would say that I, that's what I think uh, the Matrix sequels do. And have not gotten the credit they deserve for. Welcome, comrade. So, yeah, I know. You've been a defender of the sequels for a (laughs) while. Uh, I'm here to say if you love The Matrix, but you say that the sequels are bad, you're wrong. Now, if you just kind of like The Matrix, you're like, yeah, it's a good action movie. Here's why it's important. Historically, it holds up. I don't love it, but it definitely holds up, and it's good. Okay, yeah, the sequels are not for you. But if you are... I love the Matrix. It's one of the best movies ever made. It's so great. Oh, the sequels are trash. You're wrong. You don't like the Matrix for the right reasons. You just like it for the punching.
1: That's my new theory. I'm I'm with you.
2: Yeah. So that's what you should watch instead of Bullworth, because that's what I did immediately after <laughs> Bullworth. And I really I'm not I'm not just saying this because I want to talk about the Matrix right now. I really did connect those dots while watching the film. I was trying to think of another movie so I didn't have to talk about this, but Fuck it, it's my
1: show. I can do whatever I want. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for that, Mister Dalton I am also going to say trash. I think it's too problematic. Yep. Um, although, as a historical timepiece, uh, with regard to the nineties, yeah,
2: I got sassy about it, but it is interesting for that.
1: Yeah, and so it, I think it's definitely worth a watch. So it's, it's a sh- it's a soft trash for me, but it's definitely not worth owning. It's not.
2: Yeah, I mean it's. If you've already seen, like, all the things you're supposed to see, you maybe make time for it. Yeah. But you probably haven't seen the Apu Trilogy, have you? You should be watching that instead of Bullworth. Fair point. Yeah, we should have been. Ha- shouldn't we have? Yes. Have you seen the Apu Trilogy? No, not. No, me neither. Yeah. The fuck are we doing watching Bullworth? I don't know. Oh, that's right. These are the parameters of the show that we made. Yeah. Gross. So... What would you, what should I watch instead of Bullworth? I Destiny? think
1: uh, a, a Warren Betty film. I think you should watch Reds.
2: Okay, is is it good? It's good. I okay. like it. I you know, know.
1: Uh, Nicholson's in I've heard Nicholson's very good in it. It's long and, and it's feel, like it feel, over three hours, and it feel, right? And it feels it. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. definitely um, luxurious in its pacing, mm-hmm. glacial at times. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's that going on with it. And then um, to get the energy really revved up, you watch Battleship Potemkin in October both by sergey eisenstein and uh, yeah that's right i'm recommending silent soviet montage films but um yeah you need that yeah if you, if you if you like Bullworth at all that's what you need and then you need to read a lot email me i'll get you a list um
2: so that's what you should be doing um we're done we are done we got a little saucy today we uh, did both of us
1: hey you know it's a little less political um, vampires. Vampires are far le- Well, sometimes.
2: Uh, they're sexy. They are and sexy. sex yes. is political. Sex. Um, it should be. <laughs> Watch WR, Mysteries of the Organism, dear So we're going to be watching a film called Daybreakers. Yes. And if you've never heard about it, if you've slept on this one, I am so ready for you to see this. Um, this is a movie where, and I'm basically talking to you directly. I know mm-hmm. you've never seen this movie. This is a movie where Willem Dafoe fights vampires, an army of them. With muscle cars and crossbows. Yeah, you know I'm in. Yeah. Also Sam Neill and Ethan Hawker vampires. Yeah, you know I'm in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is this is this is definitely my It's medicine. gonna
2: be it's gonna be a ton of fun. Um it's got one of the, the greatest uh ending gore based set pieces I've ever seen. I'm excited to rewatch this. I haven't seen it since this is in theaters.
1: Good times. So that's what we're gonna do, dear listener, and this is what matters here. We both trashed Bullworth. It's not really worth, you know, Seeking it out But we have had a really really fun conversation Because the movies are so much more Than just 90 minutes and the bucket of popcorn It is about the conversation So you guys keep watching We'll keep talking And we'll see you all next time
2: Thank you for listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a product of Good Trash Media. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro music this week, as always, is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. And our outro music this week is Lie, Cheat, Steal by Run the Jewels.
0: A revolutionary banging on my adversaries, and I love Dr. King, but violence might be necessary. Because when you live on MLK and it gets very scary, you might have to pull your AK-1 to the cemetery. We overworked, underpaid, and we underprivileged. They love us, they, they love, love us, why? Because we beat the village. You really made it or just became a prisoner of privilege. You willing to share that information that you've been given? Like, who really run this? Like, who really run that man that say he run this? Who, who really run that man that say he run this? Run, run, run this? Like, who really run this? Like who really fun, who say he fun this? Like who in the world gon' tell Buster who to put on the you can't come list? Now don't be silly. who the fuck gon' to me if I got a billion? If I got a billion and a bitch recording me, I'm like, who can? What I wouldn't be is on TV, stuttering, talking, scared. So the question is, when does at home with that trade-ass bitch alone? Who's that voice on the side of the phone that shakes and rattles his phone? Could it be the man behind the man behind the man behind the throne? Go, go.